Philippians chapter 2, let's, uh, let's read that this morning. And I'm excited that we've been in Philippians, just a, a book of encouragement, a book to lift you up, not a lot of rebuke for you. And I just think the church needs that in the political climate that we're in and everything else. Like, last thing you need is like a negative um, p- pastor up here talking about some negative doom and gloom stuff. And so, so Philippians is incredible because it's super encouraging. And Paul is writing this to the church of Philippi, which he loves as he's sitting in a Roman prison. And as he's sitting there, he's writing them this letter of encouragement. And let's start in, verse, in chapter 2, verse 1. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Having this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or questioning, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith. I'm glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you should be glad and rejoice with me. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. They all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with the father he has served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death. But God had mercy on him, and not only him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. 
So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word this morning. Jesus, I pray that Philippians would encourage the people at Luminous this morning. I pray, Jesus, that you would highlight what we need to know and what we need to leave with today. Father, I just pray that you would bless every word and open our minds, eyes, and ears, God, to be ready to receive. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Man, that's a lot of reading. I'm out of breath. And so hopefully you followed along there. But but Philippians chapter two is incredible and it's amazing and I love it. It's this it's this chapter where I said there wasn't a lot of rebuke by Paul. I, I said that he's not slapping you across the face. He didn't do a lot of don'ts. Do not do this. Do not do not have sex outside of marriage. Do not uh, look at porn. Do not, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Why was everything sexual just now? I don't know. It just was. Sorry. So, do not be greedy. There you go. Ah, you know, it's not a bunch of don't. It's more just talking about this people in Philippi that he loves, that he's so excited. He planted this church. It was, it was you know, if you remember from last week, it was Lydia and the slave girl and this guard who came to know Jesus and started the church. And, and God's doing some incredible things. And he's excited to write to them. In fact, didn't you just hear the tone that he wanted and wished to be with them? That's how much he loved Philippi, and, and yet maybe there was some talk about, about Philippi being a little, a little prideful, if you will. In fact, that, that's one of the sins that sneaks up on you. One of the greatest sins that just comes all of a sudden is when you feel a little puffed up. Have you ever done just a great job, everybody telling you you're doing a great job, saying, you're the man, you're the woman, you're so awesome, there's no one like you, and you're like, yeah, and you start getting some confidence, and you start walking in a new strut, and it's amazing, but at the same time, be careful, be leery, because pride will sneak up on you where you didn't even know. Pride, because, because that's where it happens. You start getting puffed up. Oh, man, I know what's best. I, I, I'll eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I mean, God and I walk together every night, and I want to be more like him. In fact, I think I could be more like him, and you just get a little prideful, and you start taking a bite of a tree of forbidden fruit. In fact, pride comes before a fall. Isn't that what Proverbs says? And, and so that's what we see in this moment. And, and, and so he's just writing an encouragement to them. Hey, just don't stray. You are awesome, but don't stray or don't move into this element of pride. Don't move in this way where you would be so boastful thinking that you're the best thing in town. That would be good, right? So verse 1. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy. He's being a little sarcastic in here, right? If there be any sympathy. If there be any love in Christ. Of course there's love in Christ. Of course there's sympathy. A little sarcasm for Paul never hurt anyone. Complete my joy of being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. The first thing that you need to know is Paul was encouraging you to link up. 
link up if you're taking notes. That's what, that's what Paul wants in Philippians chapter 2, that you would start linking up, that you would start going arm in arm, that you would start networking and hanging out and loving life, and that you would be in this unison, and you would start doing all this. This is God's desire for you at Luminous, is that you would link up. And how many of you know, like, our generation loves to link up? Like, link in is the thing, right? Um, here's my profile. Okay, sweet profile pic, sweet talents. What are you good at? Watching Netflix. What else are you good at, you know? And, and you, start, you start building your profile. You start linking up with other people. Over 500 million users are linked up on LinkedIn. 500 million people find that this is valuable, that this is valuable, that I need to start linking up. I need to start doing this. And, and, and this is what Paul's saying. I want, you to, I want you to link up. I want you to link up with one another. I want you to be together. And I want you to link up not just on your resume or not just on your Netflix accounts or not just on that. I want you to link up in love. With love, I should say. I want you to link up with love. That you would become one with love in Christ. This is what he says in Romans 13.8. Paul says this. Owe no one anything except to love each other. You wouldn't owe anything anybody except for love. This is the only thing that you would owe somebody else. That you would love them. It's fun. You can just go ahead and tell your neighbor, you owe me love. Go ahead, go ahead. Turn to your other neighbor and say, you owe me love like you mean it. You owe me some love. You owe me some love. Paul just said it. Jesus said you owe me some love. That's the only thing that you owe me today is some love. I'll take some lunch too because that would be a lot of love. But this, this is what he's saying. But, but I want to encourage you because when we hear this, when we hear this oneness, becoming formed together, linking up, and all this stuff, sometimes we think of this idea that, that we were going to conform to one another in every way possible, conform to our cultures, conform to, to the way that we dress. Oh, man, you're wearing a plaid shirt today. I need to wear a plaid shirt. You know, I need to wear the same shoes. We all need to drive the same car. We all need to live in the same house. We're linking up. You know, we all need to have the same things that you would start conforming to each other in order to have oneness isn't that normally how we see oneness or unity is when we all are doing the same thing when we're all like go get tacos after after you know for lunch after service right like hey meet me at taco palenque we're gonna be there it's gonna be awesome and, and all this stuff right and if you if you go to luminous you better like some tacos you go luminous, you better dress cool like Pastor Austin. If you go luminous, you better, you better um, be this certain way. And that's not what Paul's saying. Paul's not trying, to, trying to, to do that. It's not a robbing of your individualism and, and being individualistic and expressive and, and being proud of your culture and being proud of where you came from and what God has birthed you in. He's not saying that. He's saying, I want you to be together, oneness in Christ. In Christ, that you would have this mindset of Christ. Slogans, uh, companies use slogans all the time to get people to, 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 for this oneness thing. They use slogans to rally their people around. Um, Apple came out with a slogan a few years ago, and it was think different. Think different. I, I love that slogan because all of a sudden you read that, think different. Yeah, I'm different, man. Yeah, I'm an individual. Ooh, I'm going to think different. I'm going to buy an Apple iPhone. And then you sit at the table, and everybody else has iPhones too. Wait, none of us thought different. We all thought the same right here. <laughs> constantly innovating, constantly doing all this stuff. You know, for us to be oneness or have this mindset of Christ, we came up with a slogan. We came up with a slogan, not that 
you would all look the same, but that you would all see the same. That you would all see the same in this. Our slogan is this, seeing Jesus clearly. I believe it or not, we want you to see the same. We want you to see Jesus clearly. We want everybody in this room, in this space, to see Jesus in everything that you do. That we would have the same mindset, not on, not on maybe culture or preference, but on Jesus. That we'd have that kind of mindset. He also encourages us um, with this. Is He asks this question, where is your heart? Where, where is your heart? I want you to link up, but where is your heart in this, man, in this manner? Verse 3, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Where is your heart? Are you counting other people more important than yourselves? That word significant, more important, it even means superior, that you would count people better than yourselves, that you would count them as they are amazing, that they're awesome. And I just want to say, that's hard to do, isn't it? That is a challenge. This is a challenge. Hey, Paul, I thought this was a friendly letter. Now you're challenging us, Pastor Ben. All of a sudden, I have to see the person on my right, my left, as better than me? Yes. Yes, I do. Yes, you do. We have to see each other as better. It's amazing, the principle here, but in Mark 10, this is what Jesus modeled. He said, Jesus said, whoever wishes to be first among you shall be a slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom, as a ransom for many. This is hard, isn't it? That you would, you would serve one another, that you would start looking at each other in humility, but not to be noticed, right? How many of you love serving when you're noticed? My wife comes inside, all of a sudden I'm off the couch, quit watching football, turn it off, I start doing the dish. What's up, babe? Come on, just serving you today. <laughs> Hallelujah. Come on. Right? Some of us just want to be served to be noticed. We want to, be, we want to, we want to take out the trash after church, not, not because it's our heart, not because it's our tent, just because we want to be noticed. Now, 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 don't quit taking out the trash. <laughs> uh, but, but what's the intent? You see how subtle it is? And Pastor, I was, just, I was just serving just to serve because that's where my heart is. But, but it so quickly goes, hey, man, did you see that I took out the trash? Did you see that I did the dishes? Hey, did you see that I washed your car? Did you see that I filled it up with gas? Do you, do you see anything? Are you seeing anything here? And are we, are we doing things to be noticed? Are we doing them because that's who we are? It's what God has called us to be. Next thing is, is, is Paul wants you to be healthy. In verse 4, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. That God wants you to look at the interests of others. But what does he say right before that? I want you to look after you. I want you to look after you. How many think sometimes that's selfish? Man, that's selfish. Why am I caring about myself? I can't care about myself. But God wants you to take care of you first. He needs you to take care of you. He needs you to, he needs you to eat right and work out and do things and budget and not spend all the grocery money on movies. And he wants you to do that. Like He wants you to take care of yourself. He wants you to have quiet time and spend time with him because he needs you to be built up. Because if you don't take care of yourself, how can you take care of others? In fact, in the, in the Greek text right here, it says, let each of you look not only to his own dot, 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 blank, his own blank 
It doesn't even have interest in there. That was a filler word for you, that, that you would look to your own blank. What are you looking at? What is your blank? What do you need to care about? Is it your house? Is it your job? Is it your friendships? What, is, what does God want you to care about? What is the thing that he wants you to be concerned with? What is the thing that you need to start looking after? What is that thing for you? What is it? And then whatever it is, know this, but also to the blank of others. So if I'm looking after my job, I'm, 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 I'm going to look after your job. And if I look after my body, I'm going to look after your body. And if I'm looking at um, um, my devotional time, I care about your devotional time. It's like, why has Pastor Ben always calling me, asking me, am I spending time with Jesus? Because, because it's one of my interests, and, and I'm concerned with you, and, and I want to share this with you. And it's also an interest I have that you, I know you need as well. Do you understand what I'm saying here? Come on, somebody. And this is what God's called us to do. He's called us to be healthy. He wants health in his church. I want to just let you know, the church has open doors. One of our slogans, another slogan. It's too many slogans. We just need one slogan. But too many slogans. One, another slogan is that you belong here. You belong here, that you can come even before you believe, that you may just be checking out Jesus, but there's room for you, there's space for you, there's a chair for you, there's coffee for you, there's a cafe for you, there's greeters for you, there's smiles, there's handshakes, there's hugs, there's all that for you. Just come. Come, and, and you've heard it said that the church is a hospital. It's for those who are hurting, for those who are needy, those who are anxious, those who are broken, those who are hopeless, that, that, that this is the hospital for those people to get healthy. But if we all in here and we all just broken and none of us are getting healthy, none of us are tending to ourselves, then we're just going to be infectious. It's going to be like, you know, one of those breakouts, not the good kind. We're all starting to we're all starting to affect each other. Hey, so and so over here. Yeah, they're dealing with this and this. They're dealing with that and that one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You think they're good. They're not good. They're not good at all. I've seen their stuff, you know, and this person over here, they, 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 they haven't spent time with Jesus in six months, you know. So and, and and right like all that stuff. So so the churches, we want we want you to come in broken. We want people to come in this place who are not whole. We want people who are, are, are looking for hope, but we need some healthy people, too. We need you to be healthy. We need you to start looking after your own interests. We need you to start, start going after this. But I want to tell you something. If you're just trying to get healthy before, be, because of behavior modification, and you're just trying to get healthy because, because um, you, you think it's the right thing to do, you, you won't be healthy because you can't be healthy without Christ. You can't be healthy without Christ. Christ is the only help that comes. It is true healthiness. In verse 5, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. That to be fully healthy, to have a renewed mind, you must have your mind set on Christ. It is the starting point. It is the thing that gets you through. And it is the finishing point. If you try to get healthy without Christ... It's just temporary. It's just a temporary health, but we need to be healthy with Christ. And it is so important that Christ actually modeled how to be healthy. He actually modeled. In verse 6 through 11, you know, Paul writes this poem. Some, of, some people even say that it's a song. This part is a hymn. We read it, and it just looked like text. And we, we need, like, Josh come up here and play some keys over this. But Verse 6 through 11 says this, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient 
to point at death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. This song right here is being sung that, that remember what Jesus did. I'm not just telling you to be healthy, church. I'm not just telling you to be humble. I'm not just telling you to lose your pride. I'm, I'm going to tell you that Jesus did this already. That Jesus is the one who humbled himself. Jesus is the one who came. Think about it. Jesus was in heaven. And all this worship was happening around Jesus. People were singing to Jesus. The angels were singing. There was rejoicing. There was all this song happening. And Jesus looked at us and he said, I'm going to humble myself and I'm going to go to them. I'm going to leave all this song and I'm going to go there. Instead of being sung, instead of being worshiped, I'm going to be spat on and I'm going to be beaten. And people are going to reject me. My closest friends will reject me. But I know that God has called me to go there. That I'm going to humble myself to make a way for them. I'm going to go leave this continual worship and move down and humble myself to serve a people who may not even appreciate me. To love a people who may even turn their back on me. In Matthew 23, 12, whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Luke 18, 14, everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. James 4, 10, humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. 1 Peter 5, 6, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time he may exalt you. Humility, 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 and yet the, God is the one who exalts. God is the one who lifts up. God is the one who encourages. God is the one who strengthens. This is good news because how many of us just want to look for the tallest, most good-looking, the most eloquent, spoken candidate right now on the ballot, right? You know, I was talking to somebody the other day. I'm voting for that guy because he's cute, right? You know, that's what we do is we just look for people who who are cute we look for people who are the best we look for all this stuff but but i want to tell you something that god's not looking on outward appearance he's looking on the heart he's looking at the inner appearance he's seeing what's inside a man what's inside a woman he's seeing what's inside of you this is what god is doing think about it god god the people wanted Saul. Saul was a foot taller than everybody else. Saul was good looking. They were like, we want Saul. But Saul was not good. And so instead, God chose David, the last of the boys who was out tending to the flock. He was the last one brought to be chosen as king. And yet God looks at the heart and says, I want to use him. I want to use him. God does this all the time throughout scripture. He uses Moses who has a stutter. Uh, Moses said, I can't do this. I got a stutter. I, I, can't, I can't speak very well. And, and yet God said, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use you because I know your heart and I know your love and I know what's in you and I want to use it for the glory of God. I, I'm going to use the unlikely. He picks a fisherman. Peter, you know, Peter, who's always reluctant, always scared, and he picks Peter, and Peter is the one who denies Jesus three times, and yet God says, no, upon you, I'm going to build my church. Upon you, greatness will come. Upon you, God's going to do things, and he restores him and loves him and uses the unlikely. God will use those who are humble. He'll exalt them, and he'll move in them. And this is what he's telling Philippi is I'm going to use a church that is humble. I'm going to use a church that's come to serve a city versus just thinking that they are on the top of the, I don't know. 
I'm going to use, I'm going to use the humble. I'm going to use those who serve, those who love, those who walk in humility. I'm going to start using them. And Matt Chandler has this quote. It says, always remember the gospel so you won't forget that God will not expect something of you that he won't both empower you to obey and forgive you for not obeying. This is how the gospel comes in and shows up. And our next point is humility shines bright. When you're humble, it, it, it shines. It shines for you. You don't have to shine for it. A light just shines. It doesn't try to shine. It just shines. It's just bright. Therefore, my beloved, verse 12, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. Oh, man, why am I doing this? Oh, I'm on trash duty for a trunk or treat. What the? You know, I just want to brag on Sam Miller. He, he just came and he just showed up. He was taking trash all Sunday night from the parking lot to the trash cans way back there. We were going to get a golf cart and something happened. We didn't. So, so Sam was our golf cart with legs. And he was walking trash back and forth. And he wasn't complaining at all. And I'm like, Sam, you okay? Yeah, man, what else do you need? What else do you need? He was just going and going. It was great. He's not even here right now. So I can brag on him. It's awesome. I don't want to get him too puffed up, you know. Verse 15, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. That we look around, we look at the political climate, we look at everything that's happening, and we see that there's some twisted stuff out there. That, that truth is relative. It's, there's no objective truth. Like, what happened to objective truth? I thought the word was objective. And it's all these people going crooked and wicked and changing things. And, and it's crazy. And, and we look around at the climate, and we're just like, you know what? I came to serve. I came to serve. I'm going to serve this world. I'm going to serve what's going on. I'm going to advance the kingdom. I'm going to love people. I'm going to love God. I'm going to do this, and I'm going to shine and bright, and, and it's going to be a light for all to see, and I'm going to believe that God's going to use it in great ways, and I'm going to start befriending people and loving people who are marginalized and overlooked. I'm going to start saying hi to the custodian at work. I mean, when's the last time the teacher just loved the custodian? I mean, when is custodial appreciation day? That's all I'm saying. Like, when is the person who is just, like, marginalized, who, who's the outcast? What about the person in the cubicle who comes in late and leaves early? Are, are you saying hi to them? Are you loving them? Are you being contagious to them? Hey, man, how can I help you? How can I serve you? I was talking to a person who's in the marketplace, and they're climbing the ladder, you know, as we all do. We climb this ladder and just feel like we have to get to this destination. And sometimes when you feel this pressure to get this destination, you'll do it at whatever cost. And you'll compromise maybe some morals or integrity as you do it. And, and I was like, well, what about this person? He's like, man, I can't, I can't talk to that person because if I talk to that person, it's going to hurt my chances for the next step. I can't love that person because, because I'm afraid to be associated with them. Is that amazing? Like, we're afraid to be associated with certain people. We're afraid to love certain people. We're afraid that, that love has limits. It, it, it's just incredible. But I'm going to just tell you that if, if we're obedient and we let our light shine, God's going to start moving in ways that we haven't seen. And then humility sets the groundwork for relationships. 
As, as Paul's writing, be humble, be humble, be humble. Examine your heart. Examine what's going on inside of you. I want to let you know that, that in your humility, there's soon to be two people who come to you. There's going to be Timothy and Epaphras. Epif- oh, my goodness. That other guy. And <clears throat> I'm not a linguist, y'all. I'm just a pastor. These guys are going to come to you, and in your humility and your humbleness and all this stuff, they're going to come to you. But, but I just wanted to encourage you. I wanted to set you up because I wanted you to come knowing that, that you're servants. And, and when you're servants and posture yourself in that place, in that position, it allows relationships to occur. It allows you to be open to new doors and new relationships and what God wants to add and bring to you. It, it, it's setting up the tone that... that if they were this people saying, man, I'm, man, we got this, Paul. Don't send them. We're awesome, Paul. We're so amazing, Paul. In fact, Paul, that's why you're writing to us, because we're awesome. You know, we don't need Timothy. We, we don't need that other guy. I can't pronounce his name. And we, we don't need them, you know. We, we, we're good, Paul. And I think sometimes that, that God's just saying, sometimes we need to just be humble and realize that, that we do need people in our life. That we need people to encourage us and love us and come into our connect groups. And we need to make room for them. And, hey, maybe they have something to contribute. Maybe their voice needs to be heard. Maybe they're going to come and encourage us. And we're in, in return are going to encourage them. Maybe we're going to love them through this. And, and maybe God's going to start opening doors and, and moving in great ways. And, and so I just want to encourage you that, that to make room for people. To make room for people. But the way that you make room for people is that you walk in this humility that Christ that Christ walked in, that we'd be concerned for one another. And Paul was so concerned that he wished to be with them, but he valued proximity. And this is what I think that we get here at the end of the, uh, the chapter 2, is that Paul's value of proximity is so important, isn't it? He wants to be with them. He wants to sit face to face with them. You know, when I hear about somebody having a new baby, what do you want to do? You want to just like, oh, that's nice, good. No, you want to go there, man. I want to see this baby. I want to hold this baby. I want to love this baby. I'm so excited when a new family has a baby because I'm excited just to be around them and see the look in their face. I love a new mom. If you've ever seen a new mom and how they look, they're just like so in awe. And that father looks like a deer in the headlights. Oh, my goodness, this is my kid. What am I going to do? And it's amazing. And you get to see things that you wouldn't see if you weren't in proximity. You get to be a part of things that you wouldn't get to be a part of if you're not in proximity. I love the trunk or treat Sunday night because there was all these cars next to each other. And as a pastor, I got to see, I got to see a hundred people, a hundred adults in from our church just doing life together for a couple hours, being near to each other, being in proximity. And 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 y'all got to laugh at me in my Mr. Incredible outfit and acting like a like a something, and, and it was awesome. And I got, to, I got to be with you, encourage you, and love you, and take selfies, and it was awesome. And Winston's over there taking photographs and filming and meeting people that he hadn't met for the first time. And so, Man, I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you're a part of this family. I'm so t- glad we are together. You see, Paul values proximity. He values what you can do when you're around each other. He values when people show up, you know, to celebrate moments. He values that. But we have to be humble to allow people to step into our life, to allow proximity to happen. We have to be humble people to realize, man, I need you and you need me. 
And I have these interests, but I care about your interests. I want to love you well. And this is what Jesus knew. You see, I, I tend to think that as God was in the garden and he got to walk with Adam and Eve in the cool of the night and they got to walk with him, they were in proximity with one another. They were enjoying relationship and God designed relationship. It was not a man-made thing. God designed it. He's fully relational within himself and he made us with that character that we would be in relationship with one another and he's walking with us in the cool of the night and, and then it was lost. It was lost. And I feel like God has want, always persisted and pursued relationship. He's always wanted us to be in proximity to one another. And it's why Jesus left heaven. It's why he came to earth. It's why he walked humbly and why he got spat on. So that he could live this life perfectly, loving and serving you and laying down his life for you to give you hope. That there's hope in Jesus Christ and he gave his life willingly as a servant for you so that you can have life for those who believe in Jesus. And he raised from the dead and when he was in heaven and where he is seated on the throne, he's being worshipped again. And that's why I love worship. I love worship because when I come into this place, it brings me in proximity. It brings me in proximity to God and who he is what he's done would you stand with me this morning if you're able Jesus made proximity available to us again he made the tangible reality of James 4 8 draw near to God and he will draw near to you that Jesus made that possible for you